Welcome to How Did This Get Played, the show where we discuss the worst and weirdest and who watches the Watchmen-ist video games of all time. Uh-huh. A third W is by at the real cheese boy. Submit yours at Get Played Pod, <laughs> hashtag WWW. I'm Nick Weiger, also the real cheese boy, along with Heather Ann Campbell. Hi, I'm Heather Ann Campbell, along with our producer, Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. And welcome back, Bucket. Edge. Uh, Heather, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. It is the final episode of the month. That means it's time for 70 minutes in gaming heaven. Wow. Sort of our loose, our looser format. We're not talking about a particular game that falls into worst or weirdest or whateverist. Um, I have a question for you that is maybe, well, that is pertinent to when we're recording. And I think we'll still be pertinent by the time this episode comes out. Uh oh. As non-sports fans, mm-hmm. do oh, okay. do either of you ever feel ever fill out March Madness brackets? Every year, baby. You do. Every year. I put down what? money and I play it on Yahoo fucking I don't know what I play. What is your methodology as someone who doesn't watch uh, doesn't want to follow the sport at all? Well, I used to I used to watch college basketball. You so, did. Oh yeah, big time. I watched a lot of it. Um uh but the season that I ended watching the the final you know the the this episode in my life uh was yes. the year Butler one. Um Okay. And I had Butler placed extremely high on my uh on my uh bracket mm-hmm. because I almost went to Butler. Oh. Uh so my methodology is what do I recognize? Because <laughs> you'd rather always, you'd always rather cheer for a team that you have some semblance of. Right. Yeah. Did Butler win the whole thing? I can't remember. I'm, I don't think I had them winning the whole thing on my bracket because I was like, well, that's not going to happen. But let me Google. Let me let me search for this real quick. I did a quick Googling while you were talking. And the one I found was Butler's incredible 2010 NCAA run. That was it. Um, 2010 was is I, when I stopped watching because I went to New York and uh, lost my life. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> R.I.P. Um, it's a yeah, it's a I remember them. I think they did. They make it to the championship game and maybe lost or they made it to the final the final four. I don't really follow college basketball myself, but I do find brackets very fun to fill out. And I, similar to you, like I, you know, I went to UCLA. So I'll always, if UCLA is in the tournament, I'll be like, I, I'll have them go in an extra round and maybe they're projected. Cause that's fun to root for. Um, and I know I'm not going to win anyway. Cause it's all fucking chaos. It's, it's pretty much random chats. Matt, you ever, you ever fill out a bracket? Um, I don't, I can't say that I have, I'll fill out like, you know, at work, if somebody's doing like an Oscar pool or something or like mm. a super bowl, Thing I'll buy a couple squares, but I can't say that I've ever filled out a bracket. Uh, sounds right. fun. You guys made it sound like a, regre- a great thing to do. Is it? Uh, did I miss my shot? Did I? I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know if the. I don't think the tournament started yet. I think you can still fill it out okay, as of this well, record. Maybe as I'll of this, when, look into it. Yeah, when this episode comes out, it'll probably be in 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 full gear. There uh, are places where you can fill out the bracket online, and you if if by chance you end up winning, mm-hmm. you get a million dollars. Right. Oh. So oh, it's good. like it's it's actually less likely that you'll have a perfect bracket than that you'll win the lottery mm-hmm. because of the number of combinations and permutations of the bracket. But yeah. it's really fun going in and being like, I got a perfect bracket. 
I'm, I'm gonna. It's gonna be. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I yeah. I'll start start shopping in my yeah. mind. Like, okay, yeah. what am I gonna get? A boat, mm-hmm. for example. Did you say a, a bi- bow? Yeah, a boat, but also a oh, bow, a bow. A, to put the mm-hmm. on the boat as like a new present for me. Got it. Yeah, big bow for the boat. I was thinking bow like a bow and arrow. Uh, well, yeah, that too. Stay away from my boat. <laughs> <laughs> Has a game ever combined being in a boat with using a bow? I feel like I've been a lot of horseback uh, archery, but I don't think I've ever experienced any boat archery. Could you use a bow and arrow in uh, the Wind Waker while on the boat? I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember I don't, either. It doesn't ring a bell. I don't remember that ever ever being a thing that I did, but maybe you could. I don't know. Here's my pitch. Waterworld, yeah. open world game in the Horizon Zero Dawn engine. Give yourself a freaking bow. Have your uh, uh, the time of your life on like a little jet well, ski and It stuff. would be so funny like to have the Horizon Zero Dawn engine <laughs> for a game that was Almost exclusively flat. Yeah. And one <laughs> one or a variation on one color. Yeah. I mean, I guess you get rough seas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just as far as an IP, like Horizon Zero Dawn certainly has a lot more relevance itself than Waterworld in this day and age. For So for them to just sort of say like, hey, our next project is... We're taking this existing engine and making the Waterworld game you've all been demanding. <laughs> the reaction would be so confused. Like, what are you talking about? You know the way that they reboot films and stuff? Here's a pitch mm-hmm. to our developer slash executive producer listeners. Mm-hmm. What if instead of, of rebooting a movie to a uh, new film franchise, what if you take an old movie and you reboot mm-hmm. it as a video game? And mm. give it the triple A treatment. So, for example, um, let's like, see what's a what's a movie nobody thinks about anymore. Uh, we'll say like Bullet or something. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say um, what's remains the, of the day. But that again, people think what's the Congo? Sure. Congo. Oh, Congo. Congo would okay. be a good game. Congo is like got a uh, an ape who can like use a speaking spell, right? Yes. So, wow, Nick was on top of that yes. He remembers more about this movie than I do. So I saw, my history with Congo is that I saw Congo opening weekend as a kid wearing my Taco Bell Congo tie-in watch, so amped because the previous Crichton project had been um, Jurassic Park. So this was the next Michael Crichton movie, uh, uh, Congo, the follow-up to Jurassic Park. And it had Bruce Campbell... Uh, from the Evil Dead franchise yeah. and Ernie Hudson from the Ghostbusters, so I was like, "This is like, this is like Michael Crichton in my fantasy cast. This this movie's gonna be incredible." Yeah. And I saw the movie, and it was so fucking awful. And then afterwards, uh, I like I was there with my friend John, and then afterwards, I was like just sullen, and I sat down outside the movie theater, and I sat in gum, <laughs> and <laughs> I think to this day it was the worst day of my life. <laughs> Do you have like a Peanuts character life? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy that out of all the like deep cut references I could have pulled for a movie to reboot into a video game franchise, I pulled Congo so that we got to hear about Nick sitting in bubblegum. 
<laughs> that is what yeah, you said. Was, you didn't say come, right? You didn't say you sat and come, did you? I. It might have been come in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> I um. I so I, we uh, coincidentally, I covered Congo the first time I was on the uh, the the R. I don't know what you want to call it. Our our sister podcast, our father podcast. How did this get made? Okay. Uh, the the I, I went on and reviewed Congo. I, I think I probably told that same story. And rewatching it, it's like, man, it's just it's like a cool idea that they just get they just get things wrong, and it's it's kind of a bummer. Mm. I've never read the book either. Me neither. Speaking of games or things yes. that get things wrong, and <laughs> and how they could have been cool. I've got a pop quiz, oh. which is, can you think of a game with a mechanic or with like a world uh, that you're like, man, that could have been really, really great. I'm going to go first to get you guys thinking on the right thoughts. Love it. Which is Bionic Commando, the reboot, mm. uh, which had that like grappling hook arm and had a lot of leading hype going into the game and then was just like not the game you wanted it to be. Um, another one that I don't even remember the name of, but was from that same era, was where you had a gun that would change the topography of the level. So you'd shoot the ground and it would make it like a mountain or it would make it like a valley or something. Mm-hmm. Um, what what the hell also, was that? Because it, it's vaguely, is it, that wasn't Red Faction, was it? I don't Or Red remember. Faction just had, Red Faction I think just had a lot of destructible terrain. It was a shooter. But that, yeah, a, I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so both of those are my answers. Apodaca, what do you got? Nick, what do you got? Hmm. We're, we're talking a game where we were hyped for it, and then it just completely did not deliver on our expectations. Yeah, uh, a game who's like either the world or the mechanics of the game, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, the famous Mighty Number no. 9. You're like, oh, man, going into this. Right. It's the Mega Man team. Here we go. And then you just, it's like somebody reverse diarrhea at you <laughs> you classic reverse diarrhea i have a couple Shot of answers diarrhea from this. into your butt yep <laughs> <laughs> i have a couple of answers from this uh from the same era oh great one is one is a, a ds game super princess peach did either of you ever play super princess oh, peach yeah Mm-mm. yeah great it's the answer. only it's the only game i think that had Peach as the main character. I could be wrong on that. I'm sure someone will let me know if I was. But it's like, it's a, it's a really, like, it's like, oh, cool. There's a Peach platformer. The art is kind of cool. But it's like, it's both just like very, like the the gameplay, the platforming is very dumbed down and, um, you know, not, not a lot of challenge to it. But then the other element is it's such like a weirdly like, misogynistic way of uh, 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 of using Peach, which is that she has like four different emotions, mm-hmm. I think, on the touchscreen. And then you will like press an emotion to make her feel that emotion and that will affect the, the world. So like, for instance, like she can just have an outburst of crying and you click on the sad heart and then she starts crying and then that causes like a vine to grow because of her tears or whatever. So oh it's just like God. about like, like, oh, she's got these mood swings that you've got to manage in order to progress <laughs> through this world. That's uh, it's kind of a bummer because I, I like fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I like Peach a lot as a character. I love using her in Smash Brothers, and I was hoping she'd have a proper platformer. Maybe they'll they'll do another one with her. Um, the other one was <clears throat> so I really like the Paper Mario franchise, even though I didn't play 
the most recent one. Do either of you play the most recent one for Switch? Yeah, nope. I really like it. I'm not done with it, but it's it's really fun. There is a frustrating battle mecha- mechanic in it, but uh, I I really enjoy it. The Origami King. Origami King. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I I was I'd heard about the 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 combat and like I liked kind of the light RPG. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like JRPG combat that the, the Paper Mario franchise had, so it was a little uh, off put by. Uh, what they did there, but all the other, the other game in the, the same, th- also kind of a platformer, um, was Super Paper Mario and the Paper Mario franchise. This was for Wii, I believe, and this one again, you know, the art style was really, really cool. Like it's you know, it uses that two D and three D uh, aesthetic really well, but it's just like it's it's just not fun to play really yeah. it's just kind of a bummer kind of a letdown especially following the first couple paper marios and it's just like oh they're taking paper mario into a different different genre um and it just didn't come together hmm. the only one that i can really think of and it's not i don't know if this 100 percent answers the question but in tony hawk uh tony hawk's underground one and two there is you can get off the skateboard i think you can also do that in, in oh, yeah. four in tony hawk's pro skater four and moving around on the skateboard feels so much better than walking in that game. Like they couldn't figure out walking somehow. <laughs> like, like feeling like walking around, it, like your foot, your feet were too fast, and it just it didn't quite look right. But like um, playing, yeah, the riding around a skateboard obviously is the is the regular way to uh get from point a to point b in those games right. that always feels i mean for a stretch it didn't feel good and now now it's back um i was just thinking i just had this weird memory of the minority report video game mm. uh and that isn't really i guess i wish more games had ragdoll physics cuz you can like the that the physics in that game were so funny. I would rent that game all the time, and like the smallest thing would just send your your guy f- just like flying or like bu- right. like crumbled over. It was such a funny thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that uh, you know a lot of games probably uh, a lot of games still use some version of ragdoll uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in modern engines, but it's just been kind of turned those early ragdoll get days when a, when a, a fucking corpse would just go like get all twi- It'd be like a, a, you know, like a balloon animal just sort yeah. of like twisting around like randomly. Um, those were kind of chaotic fun. Uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's interesting to t- talk through it to think through misfires because you think through the hype cycle, you think through how much time you spent like being excited for something, and then the ultimate letdown. I know recently the the game Anthem was like that for a lot of people. I had a friend mm-hmm. who's like so amped for Anthem, which is like, oh fucking Anthem, Anthem's gonna be the shit. Like talking to me about Anthem, and then it comes out, and then just like never hear another word about it because he's just like such a bummer. Me and my friends, we were playing like D and D one night, like this is before nerd. Yeah, you're right. Uh, well, it, the worst part was we had YouTube on to have like ambient, like Dungeons and Dragons music, but none of us had um, like YouTube premium. So occasionally we'd get an ad, but one of the ads we got was for Anthem, and all of us are sitting around and we're like drinking. And we're like, wow, that looks fucking awesome. <laughs> that looks so cool. I can't wait to. We're like, and we're like, guys, we're all going to get Anthem, right? And we're like, yeah, we're all going to get Anthem. One, none of us got Anthem. We never did that. And then we find out that it's, a, you know, they stopped working. They stopped trying to fix they, yeah. it, right? They just abandoned ship um, yeah. because it was just like it had no user base and it was unfixable. Um, I said, I, 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 
I called you a nerd, but honestly, that sounds awesome playing D and D with ambient D and D music. It it's it, fun as hell. It's very very fun. We do it still now over Zoom, and it's it's great. It's fun. It sounds like it's heaven. Around. Yeah, yeah it sounds, it sounds like great. fucking heaven. Something to do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I so last uh, I, I won't say last week because we're we're recording these a little little bit uh, this one a little bit in advance. But a recent episode we had with uh, the great Jason Concepcion, I talked a little mm-hmm. bit about NBA Top Shot, which yeah. is the the uh, NBA licensed version of an NFT. Um, that is like just like this huge sensation right now. I think it probably this this bubble will keep growing for for a bit because people are pretty excited about, it, including myself. Mm-hmm. So I was reading some more about NFTs. NFT stands for non-fungible token. It sort of is a is like a digital piece of of art of any various kind, uh, mm-hmm. which I may have talked about in that that episode. And I just came up. There are a few things have been in the news recently. This one I, I'll just read the headline because I like the headline a lot. Mm-hmm. This is a Game Informer piece by Daniel Tack. What are NFTs and how are they going to ruin gaming? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's inevitable. Um, but then this other one, I, 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 this one's interesting. I'll dig into this a little bit. This is the uh, this is a, the Verge piece by Justine Kalma. Uh, the climate controversy swirling around NFTs. Mm. Uh, so I'll read a little bit of this. Since the crypto art craze is pretty new, none of the data that's out uh, there so far has been reviewed by outside experts. And Acton admits in a blog about his methodology that the analysis was intentionally one-sided. But here's why there's probably a hell of a lot of greenhouse gas emissions tied to NFTs. They're largely bought and sold in marketplaces like Nifty Gateway and SuperRare that use the cryptocurrency Ethereum. Ethereum, like most major cryptocurrencies, is built on a system called proof-of-work that is incredibly energy-hungry. There's a fee associated with making a transaction on Ethereum, and ironically, that fee is called gas. Proof of work acts as a sort of security system for cryptocurrencies like Ethereum and Bitcoin since there's no third party like a bank that oversees transactions. To keep financial records secure, the system forces people to solve complex puzzles using energy-guzzling machines. Solving the puzzles lets users or miners add a new block of verified transactions to a decentralized ledger called the blockchain. The miner then just get then gets new tokens or transaction fees as a reward. The process is incredibly energy inefficient on purpose. The idea is that using up inordinate amounts of electricity and probably paying a lot for it makes it less profitable for someone to muck up the ledger. As a result, Ethereum uses about as much electricity as the entire country of Libya. Whoa. Yeah, and and this is this is like the kind of thing that keeps growing. You'll see people that are like Bitcoin farming, and they'll just have like basically a giant shipping container just filled with like you know, um, uh, you know, fucking uh, computers set up with like GTX sixties, uh, GTX GTX three six thirty sixties, just like fucking you know, uh, running around the clock, just mining Bitcoin, mining Ethereum. It, it's pretty nuts. Uh, anyway, just a little bit more on this. The piece goes on to make a comparison about buying an NFT to buying a commercial airline ticket, which I thought was interesting. So it's like kind of like if you buy an NFT, yes, you are contributing to greenhouse gases in the same way that if you buy a ticket on an airplane, you are contributing to greenhouse gases. Mm-hmm. But also that airplane is probably going to take that flight anyway. So right. whether that's a rationalization or not that someone like me will use um, or whether that's an actual like, you know, fair comparison, I think is for other people to say. But I, th- I thought that was an interesting way of putting it. I yeah. think it's important to use the energy before uh, the universe goes into heat death. Like, mm, I feel point. like I feel like if if I mean, there's only going to be so much energy before the universe like just f- f- stops moving. And like, why wouldn't you use it on an NFT? Right, guys? Well, I, yes, I agree. 
I'm an accelerationist, so yeah. <laughs> Let's block out the sun with greenhouse gases. <laughs> There's one more section I want to read from this piece. There are other strategies for keeping a blockchain secure that might not be as hard on the planet. The most popular alternative to proof of work is a system called proof of stake. NBA's Top Shot, the marketplace where basketball fans can buy NBA highlights as NFTs, operates on the Flow blockchain, which is an example of an arguably more centralized blockchain running on the proof of stake model. So it's basically like instead of using electricity, um, it's like you, it, it, instead of like this crazy puzzle solving, it's more like it, it, you lock up some of your own crypt cryptocurrency in a vault, just kind of prove you have mm -hmm. uh, you have it. It's, it's just like a different way. That's the very dumbed down explanation, but it's kind of a way of uh, of mitigating the amount of environmental devastation uh, you're wreaking by getting a LaMarcus Aldridge layup. Uh, you said proof of stake back there, and I was just mm -hmm. thinking that sounds like a vampire's nightmare. <laughs> right, right. Very much so. I mean... Or a, a carnivore's dream. Or a carnivore's dream. You know, I've heard people complain about the fake laughter on our show, and I just want to say that I don't contribute to that show. <laughs> or should I say, ha, 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 ha. Good one, Heather. <laughs> all my laughs are genuine. Yeah, yeah, all the laughs are genuine, but the jokes aren't. <laughs> yeah, no, we write, we write these. <laughs> so how do they think NFTs are going to... Um, ruined gaming. Like, what's the what's the trajectory there? It's like because I, from what I understand it from the NBA Top Shot one, what you were explaining, it's yes. clips of basketball. So like right. a clip of somebody of like you know somebody doing a dunk. That's somebody's. Yes. You can buy that, uh, and then that's yours. But it's not really right because I could also look at it. You can also look at it on YouTube. I mean, like the, the way to think of it is it's like, okay, yes, I have a this Michael Jordan rookie card I bought off of eBay for, you know, uh, $1,700. This yeah. has some value, this physical thing, not like I'm not talking about NFT, a physical bas a yeah. basketball card uh, issued by Flair or whoever. But I could find that same image just by Googling Michael Jordan rookie. And look you at know it what I mean? there, it's just like, yeah. And look at it there. But the the... The, the authenticity of it has its own value, at least to certain people. To other people, it's not doesn't mean a yeah. fucking thing. And that's yeah. fine. Do you that's think that's you, collectibles in general. Yeah. Do you think you could scam the NFT world? Okay. So let's say that you're on an NBA team. Uh-huh. And you're like, I've got a great idea. And you go, you either absolutely botch a, 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 a basketball move on purpose yes. or you go up for a dunk in like a normal game and turn it into a windmill dunk uh -huh. so that you can have some kind of control over. I don't know how I, I don't know this second step because then top shot license. Could you as a basketball player, do you get paid for your participation in the NFT? No, and I foresee this possibly being a thing. So they have, uh, yeah, uh, you know, they have in professional sports, they're all 
uh, for the most part, unionized. And so every few years they have a collective bargaining agreement. They renegotiate. I have a feeling that in the next collective bargaining agreement, there will be some language specific to NFTs, um, specific to NBA Top Shot. And that'll probably extend to all the sports leagues. Whether that means that like with most licensing agreements, my understanding is that like if you're LeBron James, uh, you don't get a cut of every LeBron James jersey sold. Every LeBron James jersey sold goes into a pool of licensing revenue that's go- that's shared by all the players. It's a mm-hmm. little bit uh, mm-hmm. socialized that way. I believe mm-hmm. that's the same way that, that NFTs currently work, the NFT agreement. But I could see it eventually being a sort of thing of like, wait a minute, I'm Zion Williamson. My, a dunk from me is worth $250,000. A dunk from my teammate Eric Bledsoe is worth $11. Yeah. There's some there's some, you know, inequity there and I think I should deserve some share of my of my individual like this. I could also see a player doing and some NFL players are doing this already where they're issuing their own NFTs off of uh, outside of the league. So mm-hmm. I can see th- this is what happened with Michael Jordan. We talked about back in the day with the Michael Jordan. We've talked about a few times the the shitty Michael Jordan video games because he refused to allow his likeness to be used uh, for video games and other uh, other other licensed ventures from the league because he could make more money going off and venturing out on, on his own. Yeah. I can see the same thing happening with NFTs with some high profile players. I could I do you think they'll start to like maybe make their own rare nfts like like you know maybe lebron goes for a dunk or something but he has he has his like shorts rigged so then that they fall down when he dunks and it's like a rare it's like a rare nft and it's like oh i gotta get the one where we all saw his butt yeah i mean first off that'd be extremely funny if it happened (laughs) in a game you could Um, i hope so (laughs) what if you had all right so you have a photographer who mm-hmm. is sitting somewhere in the house and they take a photo of your of your dunk. Mm-hmm. So that is by, I don't know, by the rules of authenticity, the original and only exclusive shot of your dunk from that angle. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be like a, a bunch right to the left and right to the right, right above and right below. But that's the... Uh, dunk that you have and you put it up as an NFT, but until the recipient of that NFT opens the package, nobody has seen that photo of your dunk. Mm. And they can choose whether or not to release it as a JPEG on the rest of the internet. Mm. So you would have a digital unique image uh, that you had purchased also as an NFT. Interesting. I could see something like that. I also wonder because so much of it is like if you take a photograph at an NBA game like that, I I believe the NBA's or any professional sports league's licensing agreements are all like so like, you know, uh, overarching that they would probably cover something like that. So you'd probably it'd probably be difficult for you to carve out your own individual thing that was outside of the league's existing agreement, unless you were like off court, not wearing your uniform or out out of the arena, not wearing uniform. Are you allowed to like do a dunk on like a street hoop and then sell that as an NFT? Like if I'm LeBron James, could I be like, I'd be like, I'm going to go to the secret hoop and I'm going to do some nasty dunks. Yeah. I I dunked at the (laughs) leaning tower of Pisa. Yeah. I think you I think you honestly probably could because it's not like you they own you as an individual. They own right. your likeness, um, but like they probably they own you on a bat or 
own. They 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 own the rights to the image of you on right. a basketball court, on an NBA court during an NBA game wearing your uniform. So yeah, like some of the, like uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's like an NFL star. I don't follow the NFL, but he's like a you know really mm-hmm. really a superstar player. Had released his own, and I don't. I haven't looked at them yet, but I don't think any of them are are him wearing like his official uniform or anything like that. It's all like an abstracted, generic version of it. I just thought of something very annoying, and it's that Banksy's probably going to do an NFT. Um, do you want to hear something uh, also like similarly annoying? <laughs> What's that? The most uh, famous NFT artist uh, is named Beeple. Oh, so there no. you go. A Banksy Beeple. and Beeple collab? Oh no! Isn't Banksy Beeple's art also comprised of other people's JPEGs and bitmaps or something? I honestly don't know. I don't. I haven't dug into it. I know. I know he has the record for the most expensive NFT. Yeah. He sold one for like yeah. seventy million or something absurd. Yeah. Well, those are our thoughts, but maybe we're <laughs> wrong. <laughs> This guy loves the shit out of people. Um, <laughs> it's people's dad. <laughs> to return to, to Matt's much earlier question of how our NFT is going to ruin gaming, I think the the assumption people are making is that, so for instance, there's like a legendary piece of armor that mm-hmm. right now in the game, like like maybe in some games you can, you can buy that with real money. Um, in the NFT space, there could be like, this is a unique legendary set of armor. There is one of these, or there are five of these, numbered one through five. They have a unique look, and they have unique abilities, and these are just going to be available for trade on the open market. And we could see the bidding go higher and higher for these because they are rare and because they are unique and, and because they are authenticatable. Uh, so I could see something like that happening. Wow, yeah. And that would be like a thing of like, well, okay, to be competitive in fucking... Um, you know, Destiny Online. I've got a, I've got to shell out like thousands of dollars to have this legendary gear. Yeah, that makes sense. So that that could possibly happen. Oof. Can we talk video games? I love yeah. it. I don't, I don't got anything else to add to this basketball conversation. But I just beat God of War. Wow. wow. Uh, I um did not use a guide, and I uh I don't know. I've got like nearly ninety percent on the trophies i've only got like a few trophies i'm not gonna platinum it because i feel like i really exhausted it i feel like i you know i Mm. i beat all of the valkyries i beat the valkyrie queen i beat all of the trials of muspelheim i it was it was an excellent experience i know i'm a few years behind on on the game but um i've talked about it here on the podcast it got me super into norse mythology I got some books on Norse mythology and my next game is going to be Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I've just started playing. And it is a thrill to hear them like dropping references to Ymir and Yadrigrasil, the the tree of Yadrigrasil. Is that how you, every time I try and say it, I don't, I don't know how to say it. So I I fumble my way through it with a growly voice to try and uh, hide my insecurities. (laughs) But um, to know those stories now makes the game more satisfying. There was like a puzzle I had to solve and you had to do like a certain sequence of religious, I don't know, iconography. And I was like, oh, I know, I know all these stories. And so it's an easy puzzle for me to solve. I know. I know. Wow. It was, it was great. It's great so far. Um, it is not as, po- you said something, Nick, about how 
the most polished games on the PlayStation are both from two companies in Santa Monica with it like within driving distance of one another with God of War yeah. and The Last of Us. And I agree, man, going from God of War to this triple A Assassin's Creed game that is, you know, out of I'd put another I'd put another um game company on that on that list, by the way, and that would be uh uh Kojima games. I think Death Stranding mm, sure. is so fucking polished that it's like a was shiny. It's shiny polished. Anyway, what I'm saying is I'm enjoying Assassin's Creed so far. If you're out there and you're 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 on a boat and you've got an axe, hit us up at <laughs> get played <laughs> get played pod at gmail.com. Um I don't know. That's it, guys. I got I got nothing else that would you, you you both you Abadaga, you played God of War. I played God of War. Um, I did want to circle back to it though, because I think you should say what happened, what your experience was with the Valkyrie Queen, because I think that's very funny. Oh, so, and we're not getting okay. it too too spoilery, right? For people who haven't played it, this is like well, bonus content, side content. Yeah, this is like yeah, yes. Okay, great. Yeah, this is not necessary to finish the game. So I find these Valkyries, you know, you, you get like a thing that can unlock a door and you can find these Valkyries and it's like, oh, you fight the Valkyries. And I'm like, yes, I'll fight anything. I'm the <laughs> God of War. <laughs> <laughs> and so the first few were tough. And I was like, oh God, okay. Uh, this is, this is rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the next few were even tougher. I climbed all the way through the Valkyries and then they're like, the queen is the final fight. I probably fought that fucking bitch like, (laughs) I mean, easily 50 times. Wow. Like, I just kept fighting her. And I would like toggle my gear and I'd be like, okay, there's got to be something I'm fucking missing. And I was determined not to look up anything. I didn't want to look up any strategies. I was like, what the fuck am I missing? This, it's, it was, it seemed to be like a, I could only take like four hits mm-hmm. from her before I would die. It felt like a Dark Souls fight. Um, and she was fast as shit. She's super fast, like teleports all over the arena, like super fast fight. Finally, I beat her. Then I beat the game. Um, and when I beat the game, there's like a screen that comes up and it's like, congratulations. Now you can go out and find the the armor that you need to fight and beat the Valkyries. And I was like, wait, what the, f- what? <laughs> like, it, they should, it, 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 it truly, I truly spent too much time fighting that fucking queen. But, and, and also didn't feel anything when I finally won other than I stopped sweating. Right. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't fought the, uh, the Valkyrie Queen uh, or the Valkyries, but I should go back in and with the PS5 uh, shiny mm. new coat of paint it's got and uh, see what they're talking about. Give you them these fans. Yeah. yeah, it looks it looks fucking great. I haven't in 4K. I I still haven't finished it partly because I took a little interlude to play a game that I found that looked very intriguing and is very intriguing. Mm. It's a short little thing that I'm going to uh, when I wrap it up, I'm going to go back to, to God of War. But there's a game that's free on PS5 as of this recording, uh, Maquette, which was developed by Graceful Decay, published by Annapurna. And um, I think you can also find it on Steam. It's this indie game 
that focuses on recursion. So it's just basically like all these different puzzles of scale and it's very cool and it's and, and the art style is charming. The VO at times is like a little indie game twee in a way that's almost just like it's just like a touch too much, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's just kind of like a like a you know, an extended meat cute at a coffee shop that we're yeah. li- that's living all in VO. And it's just like, oh, this is like a little this is a little sweaty, but all right. Um <laughs> But it's but, you know, I I think the soundtrack is good and the puzzle design is really cool. I will say it made me feel dumb as shit, Mm -hmm. which I am. But the game like really like hammered that home. There was a there's a a point where you're playing on. So it's things like there will be like a model, a scale model of a castle and then also like a full sky, full size version of that castle. And if you put an if you manipulate an item in the small version, it affects it in the large version and vice versa. So, for instance, like you take it like there's a there's a small like little tiny model bridge. Uh, you move it into the uh, uh, the the model version and then the full scale version that bridge is in place. And now you can traverse this gap. It's things like that, except it's that's like the very basic level that it starts to get more and more abstract and complicated. There, they, they did one of those things. Uh, which games do a lot where there'll be like there'll be in a music cue that plays for a set amount of time that is clearly meant to cover how long they think it will take the player to to accomplish this task. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like this little song is just like, OK, they think I'm going to do this thing in the span of this song. The song plays for like 90 seconds and then it ends and I'm still stuck there for like another 10 minutes. Oh. Just, like, just like, what am I supposed to be doing? Just fumbling about randomly. And then it's one of those things when I finally figure out the solution, it's not even like that, that, oh, aha moment. It's just kind of like, like, oh, that was it. Ah, oh. you know, like it's just, you're kind of exasperated because you've tried everything. And then you, what you ended up figuring out doesn't even necessarily, it's not even necessarily like you figured out the right way to do it. You just kind of fucking brute forced your way to a solution. Um, so there's some things like that, but I do think like just, just manipulating scale and stuff. And, and especially if you can get, if you have a PS5 and get it for free, it's worth checking out. It's, it's, it's a cool, cool design. Okay. Doubt, I doubt, uh, I, you know, I always get the, PS Plus games. I don't always download yeah. them, but I always claim them just so if I you if I'm interested later. Um, but I'm playing. I well, a couple things. I just started doing stuff on Twitch, and it's a lot of fun. But I had uh, I played Demon Souls on Twitch the other day, and I had the people watching me help me. Wow. Uh, and they all got to watch me be afraid <laughs> and, and nervous, but also not do that bad. I only died a couple times. And hey, I, all right. Yeah, I didn't even die once in the boss battle that I was in, and I beat the boss. I beat my wow. first boss in Demon Souls. That's okay? great. I'm I feel pr- Apodaca. I am yeah. proud of you. You are my son. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I You're feel welcome. like a pro gamer. <laughs> I are. feel. I, I feel like it was like unbelievable how satisfying it was. Um, I'm gonna keep playing it. I, I like. I'm playing. I'm playing too many games, but those that's yeah. like the game that I'm now because I'm playing that. I'm playing Sackboy. I love Sackboy. Sackboy, very cute, very fun. Um, I finished uh, Mario 3D World, which I absolutely loved. Uh, I have not messed with Bowser's Fury yet, uh, but it's because I started my third fresh save on Breath of the Wild, and I'm giving it wow. an honest shot. Wow! And I think I am now further than I ever 
got. Like, uh, but I also think I did things. There's not like an order, obviously, to do it. I, I am about to take down a boss, and that had, I, I had never done that before. Um, <laughs> I never. I, I got to a. What do you call it? What are those things called? Uh, the beasts. The yes, divine beasts. I, I got to uh, in my first playthrough. I got to a divine beasts, but uh, but couldn't figure out what to do. Like I couldn't figure out any of the room. But in the one that right. I just did, I got to the. I didn't even meet King Sidon in the first one, or wow. the, you know what's Prince Sidon? I think uh, he's a prince, yeah. And but I met him this time, and so he got me to the elephant beast one. And uh, I, that's where I am right now, and I keep getting shit housed by uh, that uh, the monster that's in there, the boss that's mm-hmm. in there. So I I left, and I'm never going back. <laughs> uh, no, but there's a uh, I'm, I I found some shrines along the way that I marked that I'm going and clearing some shrines so I can get a little more hearts because I only have four, and this guy right. is is destroying me every yeah, you gotta every get, you gotta get more yeah. hearts yeah again a couple more hearts before i get in there uh but it's it's you know it seems dumb to talk about it uh four years after release but it really is as good as everybody says it is it's, <laughs> it's, it's really really fun and i think right now oh this was a big revelation for me because remember i don't like crafting that's yes. why at least that's what i've said and I, I want to take this opportunity to reverse my stance, to walk wow. it back. I really, really like crafting in this game. I, because I like the little song, that <laughs> little, <laughs> but the little extra jingle you get when it's like something that's really good. You get a little mm. extra, like some, you know, some extra bells and whistles there. But I also really like making the nasty food that's blurred out. That's really funny yeah. to me. Yeah, I like it's, the pixelated. That's it's like a, so a, crude they can't good, even look at it. Yeah, it's a good touch. It's but, a good uh, joke. Um, That's like a really a good, joke. good joke. Really, really funny. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I'm um, I'm really loving it so far, and I mean, the something that I haven't really messed with with the Switch in general is the is cloud saves, like the mm. like I've transferred save data between. Switch and Switch Lite before, but when you have this like the automatic backup on, oh baby, that's that's the move. I'll be playing in bed, save, yeah. turn it off, get down over to the TV, pick up my pro controller, start playing there. It's it's the future. It's so good. So you're you're talking you're a two switch household. I'm a two switch household. That's right. I got the Switch Heavy and the Switch Lite. The switch. I yeah. I also have a switch heavy and a yeah. switch light. Things got a little complicated with Animal uh, Crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I because that that Animal Crossing you can't do cloud saves on. You can't have your island on multiple switch. So I just like it, it kind of messed things up. But I was using that and I, w- I was doing that because I was traveling enough where. Um, back when people traveled, where the Switch Lite, I find I find so much better for travel. I find so much yeah. better for playing on yes. a plane. Yeah, it's just a lot less clunky as a portable. Uh, the unibody construction, but the, but I do, but you gotta have a fucking, you gotta have it hooked up to a TV at times, especially yeah. for like a, your Breath of the Wilds of the world. I haven't played Animal Crossing on the TV because I made that choice, right? To, you know, way back when I was like, well, this is the, um, this is this is just how it's gonna be. It's gonna be on my Switch Lite, 
Uh, and at that time, I was going back and because it came out <laughs> a year ago during this, so it came yes. out when nobody could go anywhere anyway. But like right. the place that I was going for it was my old apartment to where uh, to my girlfriend's house, and I'd be like, well, I guess I'll just bring the switch light with me because I'm not going to hook it up to a TV anyway. Uh, and now we live here, and I was like, I should have just put it on the fucking. Should put it on the big boy. It's hard. It's hard to yeah. Who could have foreseen? Yeah, where this all possibly could have ended up. I read an interesting tweet the other day. I think from former guest Gene Park mm-hmm. about how he hadn't played uh, Animal Crossing in a while, and picking it up again triggered a bunch of like uncomfortable early pandemic feelings for him. Oh, wow. Uh, because it was so married to that early, like, paranoia and fear that we were all experiencing and, uh, like, sort of that really intense early right. pandemic phase when there was no f- hope in sight, no yeah. vaccines, no nothing. Uh, and uh, I thought that was an interesting... thought that was an interesting thing to consider is, is there are and I've written about this before, but like games that are sort of tied to trauma and mm-hmm. how those games become kind of unplayable to you. Um, those, those are real bummer. Yeah. yeah. But instead of dwelling on that, I have a question for you guys. Ooh. Pop quiz. Ah. If the rumored 4K <laughs> Switch comes out mm-hmm. and it still plays the old Switch games... But play, but there there are graphical improvements, a la PS4 Pro. Mm-hmm. Will you get the Switch Pro or Super Switch? I have uh, poor judgment, and uh, I'm very fortunate to have some disposable income. I've triple dipped on Nintendo hardware before, so yeah, I probably would. I mean, like I I bought fucking multiple DSs and 3DSs. I think I bought three Game Boy Advances. I bought the original Game Boy Advance. I bought the Game Boy Advance SP, and then they had the, the SP Lite. Or either mm-hmm. the S, either I bought the SP Lite and the Micro or the SP and the SP Lite. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I could I could 100% see myself doing that, especially if they've got some upcoming, especially if they're like Breath of the Wild 2 will be in 4K, 60 FPS. It might, it'd probably be hard for me to pass up getting that. Yeah, I had, I did three, I mean, I did the launch DS, I mm-hmm. upgraded to the DS Lite after that. Um, and then from the DS Lite, I went to the 3DS. So I had the 3D, I had the DS Lite for like a long time. And then, uh, so I'm a two-switch household now. I think I also have bad judgment. Like I think I would, <laughs> I would do it. I probably would do it. Because like, but then, you know, and then I, 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 but I wouldn't be a three switch household. I would do something with the switch. I'd give it to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. It doesn't have a switch. I'm not gonna hoard I, a switch that I don't need. I did 3ds and then jumbo 3ds. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then the new 3ds. Yeah. Which was like at the tail end of my playing of the 3ds. Um, you know what? I think the 3ds is one of the most charming systems. Mm-hmm. That little that little game that you play when you pass by people and then they become warriors on your on your system and you like use them to play an, a built-in RPG. That was a lot of fun. Was that a street pass? Is that what it was yeah, called? Yeah, street was pass. That? Like I you would I would it. look forward to going to airports because that mm-hmm. was the most 
the most people I would ever pass with a 3DS. Like yeah. in my neighborhood, never never pass anybody with a yeah. 3DS. But I if I went would, to an airport or, you know, what, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, I would go to Disneyland. I had an annual pass for Disneyland I'm from here. So I, in Ify, uh, past guest Ify Wadiwe, um, also had a Disneyland pass. So we would meet up with each other at Disneyland and uh, like have our 3DSs in our pocket and like collect street pass people and like and go on rides. It was so That's great. fun. Yeah. That's great. I've never a had a friendship time. that close. That's so <laughs> cool. I've yeah, known I mean, something amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've known Ify for like 15 years. As long wow. as you two have probably known each other longer. <laughs> I mean, I've known Weiger. Oh my God. How long have we known each other, Weiger? Hmm. Have you ever really known me? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> a pair of deal with it sunglasses landed on Nick. <laughs> I was, I was curious about the Game Boy Advance SP, which versions I had, and then I looked it up. So the, the Game Boy Advance SP, the original one was front lit, and then they released a new version that was backlit. And I was like, well, fuck, I gotta get this backlit one now. So I remember buying the back, I remember actually having this discussion with a, a, a coworker at the time of just like, them being like, you already have one. You're going to get mm-hmm. another one. I was like, but this one's backlit. It was like the Malibu Stacy, but she's got a new hat thing. It was like, I was on that side of it. <laughs> yes. Um, very dumb. Do you guys have the experience? Okay, here's here's a genuine question. Genuine question. Mm-hmm. You look back on your life of video gaming. We've all had portable games and we've all had console games. And mm-hmm. Nick yes. said PC games also. Uh, I feel like even if portable games were remarkable experiences, they do not occupy the sort of uh, prominent place in my gaming memory that home console games had. And I wonder yeah. if that's because you are ki- like typically playing them in a distracting environment and are less likely to get like deeply into them. Like that's not to say that there aren't games. Like I, I know I've talked about Final Fantasy Tactics Advance on this show yes. before and like dumping infinity hours into that game. Um, so there are games that I remember. And, and the first edition of Heather's Hole was also a portable game. Um, But I have so many more portable games in my collection of video games Mm -hmm. than I do console games. And I forget about them. Like, I just forget that they're there and I forget about those stories. I, I I don't really feel the same way, but I I do get what you're saying. I think that there's there's oftentimes a time when you there's oftentimes you'll be in a headspace where you're less engaged with something portable. Uh, I will say that I also think that that for you and I, there probably is a little bit of a generational thing in terms of. I think if you were a certain age and the Game Boy came out, if Pokemon like Red and Blue came out on Game Boy when you were just right at that sweet spot of age, this might actually be Matt's sweet spot mm-hmm. where, where like like that that could be like a formative gaming experience that is like as meaningful and memorable to you as anything. But Matt, so you, how, how do you feel? It, wait, yeah? so you're saying I can't remember Pokemon because I'm so old? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like I got too old, I can't remember it? Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, have you had tr- have you had trouble remembering like what like not just where your keys are, but how to use your keys? Because like that's like a sign. I okay. So, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, this is a problem. Great. <laughs> I I mean, I feel like most of my handheld gaming was Pokemon exclusive. Mm-hmm. Like, cause like I, if I would get a game for like Game Boy or a Game Boy Advance, I always end up getting the wrong thing. The only games that I really liked for like Game Boy were Pokemon games. Right. Uh, like I had a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror game for Game Boy that I didn't like. Uh, I had an X-Men game that I didn't think was very good. Like, and, but I would go back to Pokemon. Um, so, but the thing that I, I also remember is that I would play those like at home while mm-hmm. doing something else. Like I'd be like watching TV mm. and I'd be like playing Game Boy. Like I'd be doing two things and that's probably why my brain is bad now. Uh, right. But like, like I don't do that really anymore. Like I guess the f- like phone has like taken its, its place uh, and like I'll scroll like while I'm watching like Survivor or something, but I won't like really like have my switch like while I'm watching a movie or something. Like I don't really, I don't do that. A lot of people I've I've heard I've never done this, but they'll like put on kind of a mindless video game, mm-hmm. uh, maybe an MMO or something, uh, where they just are kind of kind of play it on autopilot and then listen to podcasts while they're gaming. Yeah. Have either of you ever done that? I, I do I don't do that. Yeah. I it takes my full attention to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. I. I. I cannot play a game and do. And the reason I don't. Yeah. Twitch, is because mm-hmm. I can't imagine play. And also, gaming is the only thing where I don't do anything else. Like I'll watch a movie and have my phone out, and I'll be tweeting, or I'll, I'll read a book and I'll check my phone. Mm-hmm. If I'm playing a video game, unless there's like awful loading screens. I, I'm there for the entire thing and I don't look at anything else. And it's the only thing that I have that I do that in. So I, for me, it depends on what the game is. Like if it's like something like Carrion or like Undertale mm-hmm. or something, like I'll maybe like listen to like a podcast or something. But if it's something like Death Stranding or something that's like very like, you know, there's just like a lot going on there. Right. I, I'll, I'll, opt for the the game and listen and listen to that instead um like i tried even today like uh before we just started like i had a podcast on like while i was doing a shrine in um breath of the wild and i was like this yeah like no way no yeah anything that requires any sort of focus i just got to be locked in but also i just like I just like game audio. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like hearing sound design. I like I, I like hearing music from game. I mean, like that to me is like such a huge part of the experience. Like playing a game on mute is like not really playing the game. I got to hear those fucking sound effects. I hear that yeah. VO. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, speak, speaking of game audio, uh, I, I do want to get to Heather's Hole. But before we get there, Heather's I have... Hole. <laughs> I have something I want to talk about, uh, which was the Astros Playroom, which we've all played. Um, such a charming, charming platformer. Very, very uh, well designed and fun and just like aesthetically so pleasing in all ways, included for free on your PlayStation 5. And the PlayStation blog 
Uh, so first off, the soundtrack got released on streaming platforms recently. And along with that, there's a, a blog on a, a PlayStation.blog by the composer of the game, Kenneth C.M. Young. And he just sort of talks through the construction of one of the tracks from Astro's Playroom. And it's like a really cool read. And also he includes the stems and all the um, earlier versions of the soundtrack. So you can kind of hear him iterate. You know, you wow. can see, hear his process. I'll, I'll play some of these. But first, just to give people who haven't necessarily played the game uh, a sense of, of what the game's, what the soundtrack is like. I'm just going to play a bl- little bit of a, of a track, CPU Plaza After Dark. So this will just kind of give you a sense of it. So it's all this kind of like catchy electronica. And one thing it does is it makes extensive use of a lot of like uh, voice samples and kind of like, you know, um, affected uh, vocal tracks. Uh, 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 Like there's a lot of songs with lyrics in this game, but they're all like kind of like, you know, kind of this this futuristic robot voice. Anyway, so GPU Jungle or I'm sorry, I'm your GPU, which is the track that plays with the GPU Jungle level. Is uh, is one of the songs I think people like really like responded to and and uh, you know from from this game soundtrack and this is the track that this blog is focused on. So he, 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 I'll start off, I'll read some of this and, and play some of these as we go. The GPU jungle was the first area of the game that I tackled. While it was still a work in progress at that point, the gameplay felt the furthest along, so it seemed like a sensible place to start. My first attempt was quite a traditional approach to scoring a jungle stage complete with the requisite panpipes. Here is the first version of the song from the stage. Uh, so that's nice. Um, and then he he says that basically the feedback was was too predictable, so he tried to make it a little bit more digital. This was the the more synthy version of that same same song. So you get the same wow. sort of like, you know, core melody, but it's just a little bit more chiptune and synthy. Um, and then he just kind of keeps iterating on this. I'll play the third version. This is the first one that had a little bit of lyrics that, that gets into a little bit later. And if you've played the game and are familiar with the track, this is the one that, that it first starts to click like, oh yeah, I remember this song. Anyway, he just kind of keeps going yeah. and he plays through. He seriously has like t- like eight different versions of this before it gets to the finale, and it's just kind of cool to like hear that. But I'll play a little bit of the, the final version, um, partly because it's just such an awesome track. This is "I'm Your GPU." This is the one that's in the game and on the soundtrack. <laughs> wow, that that is so cool that he like shared the process i know it's so rad wow so no daft punky right daft punky yeah a little bit yeah definitely are you familiar with the podcast song exploder 
Yeah, I've heard of that. I haven't listened to it. It's basically, it's this, what just happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, like, they'll have an artist on to talk about, uh, you know, a song of theirs for, uh, from their discography. And then they'll take it, they'll break it apart and, like, talk about, like, yeah, where this idea came from, like, what they started with, like, how what how they changed it, and then ultimately how it became that they should do uh I mean, I guess this is me giving them an idea. They should do a miniseries about video game music. It'd be really, really interesting, I think. One of my favorite YouTube channels I've found recently does that to Sonic tracks. Like, it'll strip wow. down every channel and show you how the song is constructed. And it's, um, I don't know, for a dummy like me, it's just a magic trick. But yeah. I think for a musician, <laughs> it would be kind of neat and illuminating. Right. Yeah. I do have a musical background, but also I'm dumb as shit. So it is like anytime there's anything like this, I'm just like, ghoul. I'm just like, I'm, I'm a fucking uh, rube being, you know, fucking like I'm, I'm, I'm applauding like a seal at a, at a county fair. Um, I, I, I love it though. I, I think it's, I, I think this, this, the, that game's so great. The soundtrack's so great. And this little blog entry is like, so, so cool just to hear all the different versions and, and hear and read his process. Um, Hey, I think it's time for Heather's Hole. Heather's Hole. <laughs> Heather Ann Campbell is going to go deep into a retro collection in our regular segment, Heather's Hole. Heather's Hole. <laughs> Today on Heather's Hole, we're going to the DS again, which I think I did last time we did this, uh, mm-hmm. to talk about The World Ends With You, a 2007 mm. action role-playing game uh, by Square Enix for the Nintendo DS. Now, this game has been re-released several times. Uh, I think it has uh, come out on iOS, it's come out on Android, and it's come out on Nintendo Switch, but none of those versions of the game, uh, except for the original, have dual-screen play. Now, the way battling worked on this game is that you were controlling one thing on the top screen with the D-pad, and controlling something else happening simultaneously on the bottom screen with the stylus. So you would be fighting with two sets of input simultaneously. Uh, And since the game was sort of based on, um, I guess like a, uh, it was an area in Tokyo, I think it was Shibuya. Yeah, it was the Shibuya shopping district uh, and sort of had mapped these characters onto that world in a very, early mid 2000s aesthetic where everybody's like walking around with their big headphones and they're uh collecting can badges or those buttons in order to like the the um upgrading system for like learning new weapon or learning new skills was based on like buttons that you would collect the kinds that you would wear on your shirt uh it was awesome and what was even more awesome than the game itself was the soundtrack So uh, here is the score to The World Ends With You, which has been maintained by all different releases of the game. But again, DS version was the best. Ooh. Real nice mid-2000s vibes in this game. Oh, yeah. Wow. 
Now, isn't hasn't there been a rumor of a new World Ends With You game coming out? Or maybe it did. Who knows? I don't know. I only knew about the, the Switch re-release, ah. which had some, like you said, some uh, negative reception because of the hardware. I, I will say the that's awesome, and also it is really, like, from the Game Boy Advance on, basically every handheld could produce awesome audio. You just had to use headphones instead of the built-in speaker. But if mm-hmm. you did, it was just like, man, such a... I will say, contrary to your point about being less immersed in handhelds, that for me, like, anytime I'm gaming with headphones, I'm just totally locked in. So having a good player, pair of headphones and, like, playing a DS game... Um, yeah, that was just like that to me was like transportative. That was rad. I have two things. Go for uh, it. One is that my younger brother has was like got this game when it came out. Like so I knew about this game, but I was just like, oh, this is like a game my brother wants to play. He's like really he's really right. into anime. Uh so I was just like not interested. But he was right. And I was wrong. And I was older than him and I was dumb. <laughs> uh but to just circle back to this point also. Um, there is a sequel coming supposedly summer 2021 called Neo, The World Ends With You. Ah. Okay, well, there you go. Well, then maybe I'm excited about (laughs) that game. And (laughs) this has been an excellent trip into my hole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, when you find your way climbing out of Heather's hole... That means it's time for the question block. Ding! All right. This one. Okay, I got a bunch of emails. So we're going to, we'll just read a couple emails and then we'll get out. Yeah, we can take a couple. Um, well, I'm going to go with this one first. This one uh, is from Adam Balif, and, uh, and they write, and this is a subject line, Mad Apodaca as a Pokemon. So I read it because I was like, mm. my name's in this thing. I'm kind of interested to see what's going on here. Uh, and they write, I think that if you say Manapadaka is one word, it sounds like the name of a Pokemon. What type of Pokemon would you be, Matt? And what about Heather and Weiger? So what kind of Pokemon would you think you guys would be? What type? Manapadaka. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Manapadaka. <laughs> I, I like it. I don't have any nose. I love it. You're a water type. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I for sure I'm a water type because I'm crying. <laughs> You're water electric. Yeah. I can uh, take that. And because you've got you've got like you're kind of like um Well, I don't know enough about water animals, but I feel like there's an otter. There we mm-hmm. go. Like mm-hmm. an otter type animal. So you're water type. Yes. But you've also got like two microphones in your hand and you can shock <laughs> people. <laughs> So you get, you get My them big wet. move is that I'll right. throw a toaster at somebody. Yeah, you, yeah, you feel like a bunch of like metal junk that you throw. Yeah, <laughs> and it shocks. You also, you know, water type is weak against electric type, and uh, so you've got both of those existing within you because you are a man of contrasts. That's true, and I so, am my own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I I I have an answer for myself. Uh, I would clearly be a normal type Pokemon. That's me. <laughs> Good You'd Lord. be like, well, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It'd be Weiger. like, Weiger. <laughs> no, Weiger. you wouldn't say Weiger. You would say, hey, buddy. 
<laughs> so, so he that would mean he was a hey buddy, right? Yeah, it'd be a hey buddy in that. Yeah, case, I guess. No, I guess, maybe then that's your big. You're the. That's your move. Hey buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's hey buddy sucks. <laughs> Fucking dead weight, <laughs> fucking arsenal. I'm just a waste of a pokeball. <laughs> I use the master ball for this. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure well, what do you that think I'm... a master ball was. Oh, was he up no. To <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Hey, buddy. Oh, no. <laughs> oh god. Um. Your favorite Pokemon is um, is not Trubbish, but the evolved form. Garbodor. Yeah, Garbodor. You love Garbodor. Oh, yeah, I love Garbodor, but a garbage type Pokemon is not a type. No. He, he <laughs> slash she would... is a poison type. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was anything, I'd be bug type. <laughs> I'd be bug with no subclass. <laughs> <laughs> Just bug. bug. <laughs> you see, Heather, you are you are uh, you are like one of the coolest people I know, and also like a I, I would say a lot of people consider you like a scary person. So I would say like to put that I I would just pitch to add on to you being a bug i would say you're also a a ghost type because so what else bug, is scary? i'd be a dead bug yeah what's scarier bug than a corpse. and what a bug ghost <laughs> it's terrifying a spider like a, you can, can't see but you can yeah. feel <laughs> a, a roach that can go through walls yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's and and like that then if that was the case then the way I would say my name would be oh no oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I want to climb like under my over desk over and over again <laughs> uh, okay so this next question is from Maddie McGovern and they write hi I was just wondering Nick has brought up a few times his love of uh, quick runs. Which game do you think you could commit enough to of your life to become a quick runner for? The one game you could literally play for hours on end every day and completely ignore the story. Merrick can't pick Tony Hawk. Thanks. So I I mean I've always heard it as speed run. Mm-hmm. Quick run is new to me. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It, I could just be clueless. But um I a game that I could commit to speed running. I'll, I'll just say because it's one of the games I finished the most. Mm-hmm. Two two things come to mind uh, that that I would never ever be able to compete in terms of world records, but games that I finished a bunch of times. I think back to Metroid and Super Metroid or Final Fantasy One. Mm-hmm. I think like that. I, actually, I think speedrunning Final Fantasy One, figuring that out would be would be fascinating. I, like I'd love to watch. I I should watch some speedruns of that to see exactly how people do that. What what they what exploits they use. Um, which glitches they take advantage of. Like, I, I just like to see how, see what the fucking world record is and how they're able to do it. But yeah, I could see myself committing that and having fun trying to iterate and improve my Final Fantasy one time, even though that's a fucking little bit of a beast of a game. Uh, Heather? Could you speed run SimCity? Because that would be really funny. <laughs> Interesting. 
I wonder. I wonder. I, they, I bet they. I bet you there is something that. Uh, I, be, I bet there is something that they that would cons- be considered like an ending of that or a conclusion of that. Like it would be like. I'm gonna look it up. How fast can you get to a million population or something? Probably. I'm um, seeing right here that the, um, that the ranking one well it's for the SNES SimCity right uh is 8 minutes and uh 14 seconds is the number one speed run uh the uh which maybe had the SNES one, maybe had more of a campaign i, I just remember it had the little guide yeah. I, I never actually played it but the um uh, so the the SimCity 4 i'm looking at speedrun.com their leaderboards I think it's like first, yeah, it's first to 50K population. So how fast can you get to 50K population? So yeah, some some milestones mm-hmm. uh, will often be used in a game that doesn't have a traditional ending. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Matt, because I, I, I do want to look up what the Final Fantasy speedrun world record is, but uh, Matt, do you have any game you'd want to speedrun that's not a Tony Hawk? Yeah, um, so for me, I mean, I used to... Um basically do this with my brother we both had i had ruby pokemon ruby and he had sapphire and like on like a long weekend or like a family vacation we would basically start from we would start over but we had like a you know what is it called an action replay or you can kind of we kind of set ourselves up early on to have the Pokemon that we wanted and also like, like items that we could need and like uh, to advance faster. Uh, And we would use as much of that as we could to, but not like over leveled Pokemon. We would always just start at like a basic level, but um, we would then see how fast we could um, beat the, the, the elite four uh, and we would both pretty much come in within like three or four hours. Like we could get like with, you know, when when given the world, when you can have whatever you want at the start of the game, uh, we would just blast through this thing and like do it in a in in a long car ride. Right. Uh, I, I have a I have another. Yeah, it is kind of funny that like because I did similar things with Super Mario Brothers with yeah. my friends when I was a kid of just like not even realize that's what you, that's what you were doing mm-hmm. and then like taping it on VHS off of my friend's TV and and seeing you know how fast you could get through the, the the game with warps and without. Yeah, I would I looked up the Final Fantasy speed run and it looks like the um, the any percentage uh, this is of the U.S. version with no RNG manipulation is just under three hours, which is astonishing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got to watch some of those. Another game I thought of, and then I looked it up as you were talking, Matt, is another game that I, I, I wouldn't mind, I think I could commit to is Portal. Because mm. Portal's pretty short, and also it doesn't have any combat. And combat, I think, is a thing that would really frustrate the shit out of me if I was trying to do a speed run perfectly of like, like, ah, I just fucked up this one encounter and now I'm completely cooked. But if it's just something that's just like, oh, I just need to get through this in, these environments and solve these puzzles as quickly as possible, I could probably uh, try to do that. And the Portal, uh, the the world record for speed for uh, without loads is uh, just under six minutes and 30 seconds, which is, again, <laughs> astonishing. I don't know wow. how, fucking, how people fucking do this. It's like the greatest athletes on Earth are doing speed runs. It's unbelievable. Well, they're probably not doing it without loads. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't get that one, um, guys. What what does that mean? I didn't really get it either, but I just laughed along. <laughs> I also maybe don't get it. <laughs> uh, 
Hey, uh, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram with your questions and comments at GetPlayedPod or send us an email at GetPlayedPod at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 6162Play. That's 6162752933. We do play voicemails at times. Yeah. So leave us a voicemail. If we get a good one, we'll, we'll play it on the show. Our music and engineering is by the great Devin Bright. You can follow him on Twitter at BaffleGabs. And next week, we'll be back to our regular format. Thanks for joining us for these 70 minutes in gaming heaven. Matt, what are we into next week when we get back into gaming hell? Uh, next week's game is TBD. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Bucket. Edge. Surprise.